Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's 10 p.m. and Pure Gold is live and on the air for this Tuesday night, April 26, 2011. Hope everyone had a good Easter weekend. We've got a great show lined up for you folks tonight, and we hope to cover it all. If not, there's always Thursday. i got to tell you, folks, having a show last Wednesday and now having a show today, Tuesday, feels like we haven't done a show in a long time. It's it's amazing how, how long a week feels when you don't do Pure Gold on Tuesday and Thursday nights. Welcome once again to the show that covers sports, life, and everything in between. My name is Joe, just business Buccino, and as always, seated in his elimination chair, my tag team partner and co-host, David Gomez, a.k.a. DG, a.k.a. Let's get the show on the road, sir. <laughs> we have a busy show tonight, but first, how was your, your uh, Easter weekend, sir? It was amazing. I had a great time with my uh, my family. I went to Tennessee, beautiful state. Uh, my wife and I were actually thinking about relocating there. It's possible. You never know. We'll see what happens. But it was nice seeing uh, my one of my sister-in-laws and uh, and her husband, and then with my my brother-in-law as well. Um, it was it was definitely a, a different experience. Something I've never done on an Easter. I typically just stay home. So it was nice. A long drive, but ready to rock and roll with another week of pure gold, sir. That's good to hear. I had a pretty good weekend too. I had the family, about ten of us at our house on Easter Sunday. And uh unfortunately the day after Easter my uh is the twenty fifth this year, uh which you know, my mom passed away four years ago, so it was like one of those bittersweet holidays, DG. I'm yeah. sure you understand. Oh well of course. Uh I remember unfortunately and you know, it was a sad time for, for everybody in the uh, the pure gold family, but you know, I'm glad at least that you were able to enjoy the time with your family, with your dad and your your wife and daughter, and you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Big Vito was there and uh, and the rest of the family. Yep. So uh, another pretty, you know, another good Easter week uh, for our family, and uh, you know, we we move on as best as we can. But uh, DG, before we get underway, uh, let's give out some contact info and uh, poll question of the week, sir. Folks, as always, the call-in line, if you'd like to be a part of our show, 714-364-4721. Once again, that is 714-364-4721. You can check us out, all of our past episodes and those that are yet to come, at our website, puregoldpg.com. Last week's poll question was, is the Mets season over? And uh, we had three choices, yes, no, and who cares? And, uh, you know, JB, it's amazing to me that no didn't even get a single answer. Basically, all of the answers went to uh, yes. So, you know, we pretty much uh, leave it at that. But this week's poll question is, after last night's draft on uh, on Monday Night Raw, who got the better of the draft, sir? And your choices are, of course, Raw, SmackDown, or, you know what, let me just uh, double-check this. Sorry, i got, I, I got to check the copy here because, uh, you know, sometimes Fitz doesn't uh, doesn't give me all the info. Um, your questions are Raw, Smack, your answers are Raw, SmackDown, about even, and who cares, the draft sucked. 
So you have those four choices for the week. JB, uh, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later, but uh, which way do you think you'd be leaning out of those four uh, possibilities? Well, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I'm going to go with who cares because we'll definitely get into it more after our guest, but I felt like uh, it, whenever they do this kind of drafts, it's like maybe they, they swap two or three people, two or three main people, and the rest just stay the same. To me, it's not a real draft. To me, what we did last week was a real draft. That's when you lay all the, the people on the line and you basically pick whoever you want and make a whole new roster for both shows. So I'm going to go with the who cares. It was crap. <laughs> all right, well, that's not the exact wording, but I understand what you mean. And, again, just to repeat, folks, last week's question about the Mets got a big fat yes. Few people voted, who cares, but basically everybody agreed that the Mets season is pretty much over, which in light of what happened this weekend, you know what, uh, maybe it's not, but we'll see what happens. But anyway, JB, without further ado, shall we get into our, our guest for the evening, sir? Oh, yes, we shall. Like I was saying to the audience before uh, I introduced you, uh, when you do a back-to-back and a belly-to-belly episodes of Pure Gold like last week, it feels like we've, we haven't done one in so long, but it's only been about a week ago. And yeah, I don't yeah. even remember the last. I don't even remember the last time we had a guest. So let's uh, let's you know, <laughs> knock off the dust and let's uh, get our, net, our first guest in a long time underway. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. We have uh, joining with us today. We have uh, Christy Marie, who is a brand new artist for LP Records. As those of you know, our very first interview back in December, I believe, was our, our third episode. We had Greg Polanco, the CEO, the founder, the co-founder the head honcho of LP Records, uh, who also happens to be, and of course this, there's no nepotism involved here, folks, he happens to be my wife's brother-in-law, great guy, Greg, uh, you know, close personal friend of mine, as you would expect. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've told Greg that I'd like to get some of his artists on the show. You know, JB and I would like to get him on the show just to help promote what he's doing. You know, he's definitely a positive influence in the community based down in Miami, Florida, lovely city as it is. And uh, we have his newest artist, his first female artist, actually, joining us this evening once again, Christy Murray. How are you doing this evening? I'm great. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Christy, uh, you know, we thank you uh, for joining us, taking time out of your schedule. I'm sure you could be doing many other things on a wonderful Tuesday night in Miami. But, um, you know, let, let's uh, let, let's get right into this. Um, again, you know, as I was telling you before we came on the air, I had asked Greg a long time ago, you know, because I remember you were on a, a couple of songs with uh, with Blessed and, you know, on his uh, his mixtape that he that he put out there. And uh, I'll, I'll get into the specifics later, but I think the first and the most obvious question that we should start out with is, uh, what got you interested in music and, and singing in the first place? Well, I've always loved to sing since <laughs> since I started talking. I was singing, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, in the Bible it says that, you know, we should give our talents back to God. So that's what I always wanted to do, and I always knew that, you know, God had a purpose for me to to sing and, you know, to do something special with it. So that's what I'm trying to do. Okay. Uh, now let me ask you, this is, uh, since you you brought up uh, God, obviously, um, you said that you've always known. Did you grow up, uh, as a, you know, going to church with your family and whatnot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. Okay. <laughs> well, um, with my mother and my father when I was little, but they um, they divorced and stuff, and uh, then it was just me and my mom from then on, from, you know, just me going to church. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> okay, Christy, hey, this is JB from Pure Gold. Just wondering, 
Are there any artists out there, whether it's secular or Christian, that you model yourself after? Yeah, um, I love Faith Hill. You know, I'm I'm Cuban and Italian, but I love country music. <laughs> and, um, okay. I love Faith Hill. I love Leanne Rhymes. Um, and of course, you know, Christian music, Hillsong, and and Carrie Job, and all of those people. They're great too. But I love all kind of music. I I just love music. It's in me. Okay. <laughs> you kind of answered uh, my next question uh, with the artists and the styles of music. Um, I, I mean, I, I find it interesting. <laughs> I mean, nothing against country music because there's some, there's some great country songs. But to throw that out there first, especially being that you don't you don't sing country music, but is there other than country, is there a specific style of music that you that you prefer over any other? Something that you know you kind of see yourself moving into, um, you know, in your career. Well, um, definitely, I'll, I'll probably be singing you know worship songs and stuff. But other than that, um, maybe pop. You know, something fun, because I'm a girl, yeah. and girls like to have fun. <laughs> so maybe some pop music, and and uh, keep it fresh, and keep it interesting for people, you know, to be able to jam out and enjoy what they're listening to. Oh, of course, that's always uh, that's always a big thing. Um, now, as I mentioned earlier, the, you know, I, the first time I ever heard you was on the song Runaway with Blessed, and I'm a huge fan of, of, of his work, and, uh, you know, I, I'd love to get him on the show as well at some point, but... Um, I remember hearing that song, and I know that it's a remix of uh, "Run This Town." No, I'm sorry. No, forgive me. I'm thinking of <laughs> I'm thinking of "Run This Town." I'm sorry. Run this town. My mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mistake. I, I, you know what it is? I, I, I was think I was thinking of the video that you guys did that I just saw of "Runaway," and then uh-huh. thinking of the first time that I heard you, which was "Run This Town." But uh, getting back to that, I remember hearing that song, and uh, I'm like, man, this girl sounds a lot like Rihanna, you know? And who, oh. who's the the artist in that particular uh, secular song. Now, um, I told Greg, I'm like, Greg, man, she's good. You know, because he let me he let me listen to it when we got together last summer. I'm like, man, you got to sign her, Greg. you got to sign her. And, uh, you know, he gave me one of his typical answers or whatever. And then when he told me he finally did sign you, I was like, Greg, man, finally, you listened to me, man. You listened to me. How does it feel? Um, and how did you get together with LP Records? And, you know, how does it feel to be a part of that, that family? Well, um, a friend told me that they needed a girl to sing on the Run This Town. So yeah. I was like, yeah, for sure, you know, I'll, I'll do it. So I went to the studio. It's it's really close by my house. I went to the studio, and, and I just started singing, and they loved me, and, and you know, the rest is history. But um, I love being a part of the LP family. Um, you know, uh, well... Things are tough. Everybody's going, you know, through their tough times right now with the economy yeah. and everything. But, but you know, it's it's uh, it's promising. LP is promising, and Greg has a big heart, and I know um, that what he's doing is is wonderful. He, you know, he he really he's really doing it for us and, and for God, and um, it's just great being a part of the LP family. <laughs> really. <is. laughs> Hey, Christy, what do you think of uh, this generation's preference in music? I think it's awesome. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the techno and the pop and, the, you know, everything, I think it's it's cool. It's different. It's, it's definitely different from Elvis from back in the day. But <laughs> Wait, are, are you saying you don't like Elvis? Good. Is that what you're trying to tell me? That what? <laughs> No, I said, are you saying that you don't like Elvis? Please don't tell me that, you, that no, you're insulting no, I love the, the Elvis. king. I love Elvis. <laughs> He's 
the king. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure we're on the same page here because that, that would be a problem here with uh, with, with pure gold. Um, Dave, you had, you had another question, sir? Yeah, Christy, um, just, uh, you know, off the, um, off, not even on my sheet here, but I'm just wondering, since you live in Miami, are you a Miami Heat fan in basketball? I am. <laughs> I love the Heat. <laughs> actually, um, basketball is the only sport that I actually enjoy watching. And uh, it's fun going to the games, and it's fun. It, yeah. I am a Miami Heat fan. I'm sorry, but I am. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, I, I yeah, I definitely liked you up until the point that you said that you're a Miami Heat fan, and now I think we should just uh, let you go. <laughs> it's funny because harsh, it's, it's funny when, <laughs> when we had Greg. Well, the thing is, Christy, I'm I'm uh, you know we're based in New Jersey, so I'm a Knicks fan. Joe is a is a Celtics fan. So, uh, you know, if the Heat finish out this series, they're going to be playing the Celtics in the next round. So that will definitely be, uh, you know, interesting talk. Uh, when we first had Greg on, actually, that was that was our big discussion. Because, again, this is back in December. You know, uh, you know, season was getting underway. So we were talking about what the predictions were for each team. And, of course, you know, Miami. We're, we're not big fans of Miami, uh, you know, in this neck of the woods with LeBron James and all that. But, uh you know, let, let me ask you this, uh, Christy. Is there an album uh, in the works for you now that you're, uh, you know, officially a part of the LP uh, Records label? That's what Greg's telling me. That's what Mr. telling me. That um, an album should be, you know, on it, on its way. So I'm just hoping for that. I'm hoping for okay, that. Okay, and... Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll hear some big things from you in the future. And again, you know, I, I personally am a big fan of, of your music and what I've heard from you on Runaway. I, uh, Greg had told me about uh, the video. I checked it out. Awesome. You know, with uh, with Show Baraka, who is definitely a, a, a big time guy in the Christian music scene. But he directed yeah. that video. And uh, again, I big fan of Blessed. My wife introduced me to his music, and you know, after hearing you and everything, I just I just like what LP Records. Uh, puts out, and you know, obviously, from us to you, we wish you nothing but uh, success in the future. That you, you know, continue to use your talents for God, and uh, you know, again, that everything that everything work out well because the market that you guys are in is so important. You know, as a youth minister here in in, in uh, the Northeast, the, the kids listen to a lot of garbage music, and uh, I think that's kind of where, where Joe was going with his question before about the preference in music. I mean, I know when I talk oh, to the okay. kids, what they listen to is just things they shouldn't be listening to, you know, bad influences, oh, yeah, cursing, um, you know, just things degrading women and things of that nature. So it's nice to see positive music. And I say this with all respect to Christian artists in general, but as an actual fan of the music, I've always been of the opinion that a lot of Christian uh, hip-hop is really not that good per se because the – you know, sometimes the, the talent level is not there or the lyrics are not there. But with Blessed, the reason I like him so much is just because, you know, great lyrics, great content, great beats, and then you adding yourself into the mix and then adding some of the other guys, it's just a great stable that Greg is building up. So, you know, again, we, we wish you so much success in the future. And I know that was kind of a long run-on thing, but I just wanted to kind of, you know, set it up that we, we appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to come with us and, uh, you know, come on the show. And hopefully we'll be able to talk to you in the future when your album drops and, you know, you're selling uh, millions of records. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. 
Well, Christy, we, we thank you very much. Uh, again, folks, Christy Marie from LP Records. You can check out uh, you know some of her music and the rest of the stable at lprecordsonline.com. Christy, once again, thank you for coming on, and uh, nothing but success in the future. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, take care. You too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> folks, unfortunately, Christy is a Heat fan, so uh, you know that that she dropped some stock in in our eyes, but. Uh, you know, we, we again we appreciate her coming on the air. Uh, JB, any thoughts on that, sir? Yeah, well, we're not all perfect. I mean, we can't all be Celtics fans, but you know, <laughs> she seems like a great person, and uh, she's doing a great job for the Lord. Yeah, definitely, and you know, as you, we would say here, definitely, obviously, yes, absolutely, definitely, for sure. Um, so, JB, this interview was brought to you by one of my favorite places. And you know what? i got to rant on this for a second. I'm going to read this copy. I'm going to read this type, sir. But you know what? We need to talk about this. Okay. This interview with Christy Marie was brought to you by Easy Pizza. Easy Pizza is a new pizza concept. Handmade, 8-inch, focaccia-style, personal pizza. Choose from three savory crusts, including whole wheat. And, of course, you can choose from four different types of cheeses. And you can finish it off from their selection of now over 70 fresh toppings. There's no need to call ahead. Easy pizzas are made fresh before your eyes. They are made to enjoy in only three easy minutes. They're located at 184 Essex Street in Essex Square next to National Liquidators in Lodi. That's it. Easy pizza, fresh, just got easy. Make sure to mention Pure Gold when you come in. And, Joe, I just got to say, I went there for lunch today, as a matter of fact, and, uh, you know, Mark, who's a great guy who owns Easy Pizza, was telling me that uh, they're in the process of expanding to another location in Seaside Heights. And you know we were just kind of you know shooting it as it were shooting the the um, the breeze talking about the, the the concept and talking about how the the idea of franchising it is such a such a great idea but I just love that place because it you know the staff is great very helpful um, they make some good suggestions on the food you, if you want pizza bam you have pizza but then on the other side they have their salad bar and all the toppings are just amazing everything is fresh everything is clean everything is neat you see the people always taking care of business. And it's just good quality food. I had a nice uh, grilled chicken salad today, you know, trying to get on a diet, lose a little, little weight, trying to, you know, get buff for the summer, for uh, the pure gold summer that we have coming up. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Easy, so we're we're ecstatic to have them on board as part of our, uh, you know, our sponsors for the show. JB? Yeah, I'm sure that, like, whenever I do ask you what you're doing for lunch, I would say at least 50% of the time you tell me you're going to <laughs> – Easy pizza, so it's got to be a great place. Thanks, Mark, for letting us, uh, you know, read your ad on Pure Gold tonight. And I'm sure that DG will be getting some, you know, nice food from you in the near future. <laughs> oh, of course. I, I I think I go there at least once a week. You know, um, it, I haven't gotten pizza in a while, but at the beginning it was all pizza. My wife and I used to go there, and you know, it's close to my uh, my other job, but. You know, with the salads and everything, so fresh, good price, great stuff, great quality, big fan of Easy Pizza. So, Joe, speaking of easy, let's talk about that easily terrible draft last night, WWE. I know the title will be on in a bit for the uh, for the update, and, of course, you know, we're going we're gonna to cut this short and then get into that and then just kind of get back to the draft. But, Joe, give us some thoughts on uh, last night's annual WWE draft. I, I think that sometimes me and you, DG, uh, expect just too much of the WWE, and we and we seem to do it every time because, you know, we expected a great WrestleMania, we didn't get it, and now like you know, 
Edge retires all of a sudden, and the WWE scrambles, and they they do a draft just last night. They you know usually they have a nice build up for this, but there's really no build up for the the draft. All of a sudden, you know, you found out that next Monday, which was yesterday, there would be a draft. So, you know, they need to replace Edge uh, on SmackDown, and what happens usually is that only a few guys, like it does every year, only a few guys get traded back and forth. Uh, to the different shows. I mean, most notably, you had Randy Orton going to SmackDown, and I guess they want him to be the savior of SmackDown. The thing that, you know, to me is like bootleg and it makes no sense <laughs> is when, when when you have somebody that gets drafted, uh, you know, in the beginning of a show and then all of a sudden gets redrafted at the end of the show. To me, that whole John Cena thing, him being drafted to SmackDown, I thought that was actually going to be cool if he stayed on SmackDown. But the fact that the Raw was able to draft him back, to me, just, I don't know, doesn't leave a good taste in my mouth, DG. I just don't like the fact that he's now back on Raw again. I like the fact that Randall's off my TV because I hardly watch SmackDown. But again, to have John Cena be traded to SmackDown, then end up back on Raw at the end of the night, to me, just, you know, to me, it's not, like I said, it's not a real draft. It's just a, let's swap some guys just to, you know, just swap some guys because we need to. It wasn't really a draft, as always. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and typically, like you said, the same guys tend to uh, go back and forth. They go uh, a back-to-back and a belly-to-belly. But um, the truth of the matter is that, you know, Orton is off our TV, which we're huge you know, proponents of of that. We love the fact that Randy is no longer polluting our screen. But there's uh, plenty of of his fans like, uh, you know, Shannon and uh, Melissa who – listen to our show faithfully and, of course, uh, you know, Twitter and whatnot. But, you know, I hate the whole Cena thing. I agree with you. It's stupid. I don't understand why they would go that route of having Cena drafted at the beginning of the show. It makes it seem like, man, you know, big-time stuff, and then have him drafted back at the end. It's the first time it's ever happened. It's stupid. I know that Pyro uh, off the air had actually mentioned to me, it's not the, you know, he mentioned something about Triple H, but what happened a few years ago with Triple H was that he was traded to SmackDown, which we thought was great at the time, but then he was traded back the next night for Rob Van Dam, Booker T, and the Dudley Boys, which, you know, looking back on it was kind of ridiculous, but having seen a waste two draft picks is stupid. So, in essence, only six people got drafted on the show, uh, and then, of course, the supplemental draft. So, uh, you know, was there anything about the draft that you actually liked, sir? Um, I mean, <laughs> I guess I have to find some positive. I mean, I don't, I don't mind... Uh, the, the the one thing I do want to mention, I, I gotta go back to the negative DG. I'm sorry, but I, I gotta <laughs> I gotta say, I don't like the fact that like they don't do the full draft on TV anymore. Like they've done it the last couple of years, and I know that they, you know, they that's their way of doing it nowadays is that they do a supplemental draft on WWE.com. But certain guys like Daniel Bryan going to SmackDown and Jack Swagger come to Raw. I think that could have been done last night on TV. Instead of some just some like mid card guys mentioning you know being mentioned moving to different shows like to me like you could have definitely saved uh, Mark Henry being drafted over to SmackDown as part of the supplemental draft where you could have had Daniel Bryan had a big shock and him end up on SmackDown which I do like you know DJ and I do like the fact that Jack Swagger is now on Raw. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, I took some I took some notes here, Sarah. Uh, you know, as far as last night went, and um, you know, the supplemental. Since you started with that, we'll get into the whole supplemental draft idea. But uh, you know, the truth of the matter is that <sighs> there were eight draft picks selected, right? But six of them really only six of them counted. Casino was was drafted twice. Um, but as far as the other, you know, twenty four guys 
the 22 guys actually who were picked because it was a total of 30. Um, I think easily the biggest ones of the night, probably the best parts of the night, were Daniel Bryan being so shipped over to SmackDown, like you said. Sheamus going to SmackDown and Swagger on Raw. I like Swagger. He has a lot of ability. Having him on the entertainment-focused show, like Raw, is a good idea. Having Sheamus and Bryan on the real wrestling show is good. Uh, sorry, uh, Action Soap Opera, Stowe, Show, Crap, whatever. But uh, right. having them on the more wrestling-focused show is definitely a good idea, and I think that they needed to you know, shuffle things around a bit, so I like that. I also like having uh, Kofi coming back to Raw, which I, you know, I'm a huge fan of his. The fact that Orton is no longer there and he can't bury him on the same show is a good thing, so he's back on the main show. And, of course, I'm sure you'll agree with this one, sir. Ted DiBiase moving to uh, SmackDown was a good idea as well because hopefully this will allow him to get back on TV and show what he, what he can do. Because I know the WWE was very high on him, and uh, you know what? After the the beginning of their, uh, uh, you know, was evolu- not evolution, uh, legacy. After that fell apart, he really hasn't done anything. So you know, what do you think about that, sir? Yeah, I agree. I mean, having him on SmackDown should give him some more TV time because I, I don't think he was actually cutting it on the Raw sh- on Raw, to be honest with you. And so hopefully he does, you know, improve. Like Cody Rhodes has been definitely improving his character on SmackDown. The thing that I found also weird about the draft last night was that Kofi Kingston was in a battle royal to start the show, and then he also wrestled Sheamus, I believe. And did he wrestle? Yeah, he, he, he wrestled Sheamus. Right? Yeah. So the fact that he was doing double duty and then ends up on Raw to me was like he does all the dirty work to get some SmackDown some some guys onto SmackDown, and then he ends up on Raw. So I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. Well, you know, again, they, you know what they always do that though. They always have guys wrestling in a match, and then they always somehow, one way or the other, end up, you know, switching shows in their own match or something to that effect. So, you know, again, it's good to see uh, Kofi Kingston off of uh, SmackDown and you know being on the live show, which is Raw. But um, any any other thoughts on the supplemental draft, sir? Did you get a chance to see who? You know, Drew McIntyre was also drafted to Raw. I know you're a big fan of his, so uh, you know, give us some thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm as big a fan as Vince McMahon is on Drew McIntyre. He's definitely the next uh, up-and-coming uh, crap fest that is known as Drew McIntyre. I don't know what they're going to do with that guy. And for him on to be on Raw and Chris Masters to be on Raw, to me, is just uh, that I didn't like either. But let me ask you a quick question because we didn't really touch on it. Now that Sheamus is on SmackDown, does that mean there's a chance that Wade Barrett comes to Raw by chance, or is they're going to keep both mid-card titles on SmackDown? <clears throat> See, um, there has to be a part. I was reading that earlier today. There's got to be a chance that one of them, uh, most likely Barrett, comes to Raw, or which I think would be great for him. But at the same time, there's a there's an open slot, JB. If you look at the the landscape of SmackDown, I mean, who's going to be their number one heel? They lost Alberto Del Rio to Raw, which we'll get to in a minute. So who takes over that slot? And having Barrett there, who you know we both think has a lot of potential. With the mid-card title, really, at this point, doesn't make sense. They need to get that title off of him and move it on to somebody else, sir. Yeah, you're right, because I, I, it doesn't make sense to, to get rid of, like, your main heel off of um, SmackDown and onto Raw. Now you have, like, no real heel on SmackDown. You have a pay-per-view coming up this Sunday, which has weird implications, because you have, like, you know, uh, Albert Del Rio fighting for... He's on Raw now. He's fighting for the World Heavyweight Championship that's on SmackDown. So, I mean, does that automatically mean Christian's going to win? So it raises some weird questions to me uh, why they, Albert Del Rio would actually be drafted onto Raw. I know that you said that 
Uh, he's been on the show a lot lately, especially the road to WrestleMania. He was on a lot. But to, to take your main heel off SmackDown and put him on the Raw, to me, another thing that just didn't make sense to me. I, I, I kind of disagree with you on that because, A, you're a fool, and, B, the fact is that, you know what, he like you said, he'd been on the road to, to WrestleMania, been on Raw a lot, and, you know, he's that good that I think that he needs to be on the, the main show. I think what bothers me is that, you're talking about the pay-per-view, right? You have this big pay-per-view coming up. I think it's this Sunday. I'm not even sure, to be quite honest with you, with everything going on with the vacation and being basically away from society for the weekend. Um, the truth of the matter is that with Alberto Del Rio moving over to uh, to Raw from SmackDown, you know, what's the deal? You know, what, what is the deal with that? It, it, it sets up the fact that Alberto Del Rio can't win the title on Sunday in the ladder match against Christian, so Christian has to win, which is great as a fan of the uh, of the show, you know, of, of Christian, I'm sorry, because it means he's finally going to get a World Heavyweight title run. I mean, with Orton there, he'll probably lose it in a day. But, uh, you know, what do you think about that, sir, the fact that they basically telegraphed the, the main one of the main events for the next pay-per-view? Yeah, who would want to buy the pay-per-view after knowing that Half of your main event is pretty much uh, telegraphed, like you said. Like if if it's if it's 100% sure that Albert Del Rio doesn't get traded back to SmackDown if he wins the title, then then Christian is a lock to win the title. So to me, that that's probably why I guess Albert Del Rio on Raw makes no sense right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think the problem with the draft is that you and they do this all the time, sir. You cannot hold the draft right before a pay-per-view because this always happens. Guys always get moved in one of the main event matches to the other show. And again, you're basically telegraphing who's going to win. So do it the night after a huge pay-per-view or do it the night after a pay-per-view like Extreme Rules. You know, do it that Monday. And then, bam, you have your draft, you have the champions, you have this and that, and you can switch shows and do whatever you have to do. You know, and of course, typical WWE logic would dictate that they'd get rid of the best guy on SmackDown and then not replace him with anybody. Because let's be honest, I mean, Sheamus is good and we like Sheamus, but he's not going to be the number one heel on, on uh on SmackDown, not with the United States title anyway. Or the, sorry, the, the title of the United States of America. But, uh, you know, JB, it's about that time of the show, so we can get back to this in a minute because there's a couple other things that we need to address uh, as far as the draft. So you want to uh, introduce my, uh, you know, my, my best friend in the world, sir? No, definitely. Definitely. Folks, it's 1030, and it's time for a sports update and Todd's Take, brought to you by Design Stitch. Folks, are you looking to promote your business, school, church, or team? Contact Design Stitch for all your embroidery and screen screen printing needs. Mention Pure Gold for 50% off of all setup charges. We are located at 194 Atlantic Street in Hackensack, New Jersey. Contact us at 201-488-1314 or visit us at our website at design-n-stitch.com. Without further ado, TJ, Todd, Johnson, how are you, sir? I am doing well. How are you guys tonight? Very well. All righty then. <laughs> In the NBA playoffs tonight, the uh, the Hawks lose to the Magic, 101-76. The Bulls are leading the Pacers with about five minutes left to play in the fourth, 93-75. And the Hornets and Lakers are set to tip off any second now in the NHL playoffs. The Sabres lose to the Flyers, 5-2. to two. Canadians take the Bruins, 2-1. to one. And the Blackhawks and Canucks are also set to face off any moment now. In Major League Baseball, the Sox lose another one to the Orioles. Indians, they, they, <laughs> the Indians beat the Royals 9-4. to The Mariners over the Tigers, 73. White Sox over the Yanks, yay, 3-2. Yes. 
Cards, they are uh, losing to the Astros in the top of the seventh, four to three. Jays and the Rangers in the bottom of the eighth. I think this one is pretty much sewn up, ten to three. Uh, the Angels and the Athletics are at the bottom of the first, no score. The Rays and Twins have been postponed. Braves and Padres, three nothing in the top of the second. Phils and the D-backs, D-backs are winning, three to two in the top of the third. The Brewers are beating the Reds, three to two, top of the eighth. Cubbies are down to the Rockies, four to two in the bottom of the seventh. Dodgers over the uh, Dodgers lose to the Marlins, four to two. Pirates are beating the Giants, two to one in the top of the eighth. And our Mets have now won five in a row, <laughs> with a final score of six to four today, and a another white knuckler at the end there by Frankie Rodriguez. JB, thank you. And this is the segment. This is the part of the show where I now hand out my condolences to both DG and TJ. First for TJ for your Rangers losing in five games. Sorry. Um, you know, you could hit the golf course now. And DG for being <laughs> swept like a little baby. Here's your broom as well. So it is now 1033, folks. Time for Todd's take. So, Todd, sir, take it away. The Rangers had no right being there to begin with. Even You're as right? a Rangers fan, I can admit that, that they had no right being there. But they had a little bit more right than the Islanders did. So Thank you. <laughs> lockout, lockout, lockout Who's got the lockout? Well, apparently not the NFL anymore uh, I, for one, am a little, uh, if not slightly encouraged That we have at least some kind of movement here uh, It's not much, but it's it's something at least I suppose we can all breathe a large sigh of relief That the poor, underprivileged millionaire players Won't have to pay for their own gym workouts anymore Now that the doors are open and for teams like Denver, San Fran, the Vikings, Cowboys, uh, new head coaches can get playbooks to their incumbent QBs without it looking like Beaks meeting with the Dukes for a clandestine crop report. So does that change the draft for me? Not really. I'll still be sitting on the edge of my seat crossing my finger for my son's Carolina Panthers that they, God forbid, don't take a quarterback, and that my beloved Jets are uh, hopefully taking a falling to Quan Bowers. But with a lack of free agency still at this point and a solid squad overall, I mean, there's very little for me to get I mean, pumped about. I mean, in years past, the Jets had been so bad. You know, we had great draft days. It was the one day a year when we really got to celebrate. And even Roger Goodell used to buy into it by saying, okay, Jet fans. I mean, he would acknowledge us in the building more than anybody else because he knows where the real fans are. But, you know, I digress. Uh, like I said, we uh, we have a solid squad overall, so I'm not getting that pump. But you know, when you when you already have heard most of this from me before, you know, so uh, I talked a lot about this last week. So I guess it's safe for me to say that uh, there's no need for me to take any of your time, or for that matter, for your time to be taken. I'm Todd Johnstone, JB. Thank you, TJ. I, I'm surprised that you didn't mention that you know Brandon Marshall was stabbed. Uh, earlier this week, but I, I think he's doing okay. Well, you know, the thing about it is there's so much going on. I mean, Albert Hainsworth was, was charged with sexual assault today. <laughs> awesome. there's, there's, there's so much to talk about with these guys. You know, it's like I'm just kind of saving it all up again. I mean, we I gave you guys a recap a, a few weeks ago as to where all of the idiot players are and their uh, legal trivialities right now. So I think maybe once we get underway again, We'll do a, an even further recap as to where all the idiots are at in their, uh, their legal battles. <laughs> Very nice. All right, sir. You have a good night, and we'll talk to you Thursday. Thanks, guys.
Thank you. Folks, that was the one and only Todd Johnstone. Remember, a loyal listener, of course, at the beginning. Of course, he, you know, he's a, he's the Joe Beningo of this show, basically, where Joe Beningo was able to get onto WFN because he was such a absolute, you know, huge fan and knew what he was talking about. We got Todd on here because you know what? Todd knows the deal, and Todd has been a big part of the show, basically since the beginning. So we appreciate Todd and his uh, his take. Sometimes more than you know. Sometimes we appreciate them more than others. But uh, you know, aside from that, sir, uh, you know, let's. Uh, Let's get back to the WWE draft. And, uh, you know, we were talking about Mr. The One and Only, Alberto Del Rio, and, uh, you know, what this means for Ron for SmackDown. But, you know, it, it seems that they're poised to keep Del Rio in the main event slot. I believe that we're going to be looking at him against Cena for the WWE title at SummerSlam. And if not, another, you know, three way, because we're going to have a three way title match this, this Sunday with John Morris and John Cena, and, of course, uh, The Miz. We're looking at possibly Cena, Miz, and Del Rio for SummerSlam. JB, what do you think about that match? Yeah, I mean, you're right. We we are definitely headed that way. The thing that, uh, even before you even get to that, is that when you think about Raw and you have CM Punk, uh, the Miz, who's the WWE champion, and now Albert Del Rio on there, that's three main big heels on the, you know, smack, on the Raw roster. And, on you know, for the faces... Who do you really have? You have John Cena, and would you? I mean, who do you put up there? Do you put John Morrison in that category now? As far as what's their main event faces? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know who else would you who else would you put in that spot, sir? I mean, you know they're trying to push they're trying to push John Morrison. They're trying to push these different people, and you know the Raw title scene is going to be you know it'll be all right even with Orton gone. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess it, you're looking at just the two of them as the main guys with, you know, R-Truth going heel and, you know, what a, what a waste of space that was. It looks like Cena and Morrison are the two top uh, faces on Raw, sir. Yeah, so that means that you, you'll have Albert Del Rio, like you were saying, probably tied up in a main event feud for the WWE title, but I don't think you always have three ways. I mean, yeah, you can for a little bit, but... You know, the, if CM Punk is left to feud with nobody, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where they what they do with CM Punk. Maybe they have gang warfare again with you know the Nexus because you know you need to tie up one heel with another face, and then you have John Cena who never like leaves the main event like spotlight, and he's always fighting for the WWE title. So it's it's interesting to see three main heels and only I'd say one and a half faces because. I don't even know if I consider John Morrison a main event face on Raw, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, who else did you consider main event face? Just Cena? Uh, I guess Big Show. Oh, please, Big Show. Come on, Big Show. He needs to go make Knucklehead Part 2, you know? I like the Big Show, but you know what? Come on. Enough, set up. You make him all sick. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's it's going to get quite boring if it's always going to be... You know, John Cena in every main event match as the face versus one of the three heels, like either being CM Punk, Albert Del Rio, or, you know, Miz. I agree with that, but then you see at the same time, you know what, they have, uh, and I'll get into Punk later because there's some other things, you know, I'd like to touch on with that, you know, some confirmed reports. But uh, you have Rey Mysterio, as I was reminded by, uh, you know, another member of uh, the Pure Gold team, Pyro, who's, you know, uh, interning with us now. Um he mentioned to me, don't forget about Rey Mysterio, who has always been in the main event scene in some way, shape, or form. Now, I'm not a big fan of Rey, and, you know, that's why I glossed over it. I didn't even put it in my notes, the fact that he got drafted to Raw, because I couldn't care less. 
But, you know, he is still can still fill that slot. If you have him against Alberto Del Rio for the title at some point, if uh, Del Rio wins it, or him against Miz, or whatever the case. And you have Kofi, which hopefully you can push him to that level. And then, of course, CM Punk, um, you know, keep him as a main event heel. You know, I think Raw will be fine. It's just SmackDown, I guess, that I'm concerned about because they have no main event heels. And the only real main event, proven main event guy is, of course, uh, Mr. Randy, Randall K. Mantard, the beer-fruiting Mantard Orton. Um, with only him as the man, you know, on that side, uh, Christian is obviously going to get the push. He needs the push. He, he has to have the push. Uh, Kane is the tag team champ, you know, with Big Show, so we don't know what the deal is with him and where he fits exactly. But he goes up and down the card like nobody's business. So hopefully SmackDown, will, they'll be able to develop some more talent like uh, Cody Rhodes, like Wade Barrett if he stays on there. And, you know, there'll be a, a back-to-back and a belly-to-belly, sir. Um, but aside from that, you know, moving on to some other uh, draft uh, nuggets. Um, yes, you know, they moved Sin Cara, Sin Cara without a face over to SmackDown. I think this is a huge move, A, because... Um, you know, I, I think it's a huge thing because he's made some mistakes in the ring and, you know, his entrances and stuff. That can easily be edited on SmackDown. SmackDown, again, is more of a wrestling-oriented show. And, again, I know wrestling is a four-letter curse word in, in the WWE. But they'll be able to, to you know, fine-tune him and make him look even better than he does without the, the mistakes and the things that have happened, as it were. But aside from that, sir, um, you know, I think that was a good move uh, on the part of uh, of the WWE. But I mean, I didn't even consider him a part of Raw. He debuted on Raw in one one you know spot with Sheamus and had a match with you know teaming up with Cena. But that's basically it. You know, they could have put him on either show. So I don't know why they wasted a, a draft pick on him. But uh, now that they're not going to have your dream feud, uh, Mysterio versus Sinkata. Any uh, any thoughts on that? Well, of, of course they would. You know, that's typical WWE. They never give me what I want because. I actually wanted one of those. Like, I wanted Ray Mysterio to stay on SmackDown. You could have had a great feud within, the, you know, within the two of the guys between, you know, the two masks. You could have had Sin Cara go heel, or you could have Ray go heel. But I doubt Ray would ever go heel. But the fact that you know they basically swapped Sin Cara for Ray Mysterio to me, yeah, I think that because Sin Cara needs some some definite work in the ring, and they could do a lot more editing on SmackDown since it's not live, is probably the best yeah. move for Sin Cara. But unfortunately. I want to see a feud between the two. I wanted Ray Mysterio to stay on SmackDown. That didn't happen, so another minus in my book. <laughs> I agree with that. And, you know, speaking of the uh, the Divas, um, you know, since you're acting like a Diva right now, Beth Phoenix has moved over to Raw, and I, I, you've been seeing the uh, the vignettes for Awesome Kong, or Karma, as they're going to call her. Um, she's a big girl, and she's going to be going up against Beth, who's also not uh, not – not a smaller girl, as it were, so that should be interesting to see those two feuding, sir. And they moved uh, some other divas to Raw, SmackDown, flip people. They moved Tyler, I'm sorry, Tyson Kidd over to SmackDown, Natalia to SmackDown, who's probably one of my favorite divas. And uh, the Usos, I thought they were fired, actually. I didn't even know if they had a job. They got moved to SmackDown. But, you know, truth is that that happens every year. They just move people left and right, and they go uh, back-to-back in a belly-to-belly, sir. Yeah, I mean, also thinking... Yeah, to me, I, I I can't comment on the WWE divas. I'll I'll be honest with you. I just it just doesn't float my boat, as they say in the non wrestling yeah. action soap opera world. And it's a shame because um, you know what? There was a time where the divas were main eventing Raw with Lita and Trish, and you know Trish is obviously one of the greatest of all time. And they had Molly Holly and just women who could flat out wrestle. 
Victoria's women who are entertaining, and they don't have that right now. And it, you know, to see the state of divas wrestling is definitely not good. But uh, you know, moving on from that, I have a couple of nuggets to you know as we uh, move towards the, the close out of the show. Um, we definitely need to touch on the Mets for a minute. But uh, you have any nuggets for us, sir? Because I have a few that I'd like to uh, get into. Um, not not real nuggets, but I just was wondering before we <laughs> we end the, the the draft talk. I'm just wondering about the wild cards and how they'll play out. I just want to get your take on this. Like, do you think Triple H uh, ends up being back on the Raw roster or maybe shows up on SmackDown? Wait, I'm sorry. I was looking at an email. Can you say that again? Oh, I was just saying that uh, three wild cards I want to throw out, throw out to you. Because he doesn't wrestle as much anymore, it seems, would it be interesting to see Triple H end up on SmackDown and maybe be a heel there? Um, no, it's not going to happen because they're probably going for a back-to-back and a belly-to-belly, two WrestleManias in a row, Triple H and The Undertaker. So it makes no sense at this point in his career to turn Triple H heel, so I, I don't think it's going to happen, sir. Okay, how about um, Kane being another, uh, once again, main event status on SmackDown? Well, I, I covered that. I guess you weren't paying attention, which doesn't surprise me, but I covered that. We don't really know where Kane stands or what his affiliation is or, you know, who his father or his mother is, but um, I think that Kane will probably stay mid-carding for the time being and eventually uh, go back to main eventing on SmackDown and probably turn heel in the middle of a, a face turn. Like, it, I, what I see happening with Kane is that he's going to be in the middle of a face promo and then he's going to just switch, shift gears into a heel promo and go full on heel and then just go back and forth every month or so, uh, you know, switching between uh, good guy and bad guy. Any thoughts on that, sir? <laughs> no. Um, so what do you think about Chris Jericho potentially coming back to save SmackDown? Well, uh, considering that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he got eliminated from Dancing with the Stars. Is that what you're referring to, sir? I am. Uh, you know, that's a shame. Chris is, uh, is a close personal friend of mine, and, uh, you know, I'd love to get him on the show as well. But uh, hopefully he'll come on Pure Gold before he actually goes back to the WWE. But that would be great. To see Jericho on any show, it would be great. In fact, Jericho should be like a floating champion who goes on both shows and holds every title because he is just that damn good. So, you know, I believe that Jericho has already stated that he will come back to wrestling when this is over. And if this truly is, you know, it for him and he's not going to get into anything else, he'll probably be back uh, by SummerSlam or so. Hopefully. I'm not saying I read that anywhere. I'm not quoting it, but I'm hoping he's back in a couple of months. All right, so that's that's all I had for the WWE draft, and um, I'll be honest with you, I can't call it the WWE draft anymore. It's the WWE. Let's shuffle some guys around, but you know, to me, it's what we did last week was a real draft where we had everybody available and we just drafted like 15 people for each show. We really made the show really interesting. I thought what they do every year is just to me is not a draft. It's just just not. So yeah, not really. I, Sorry, sir. Um, let me just say something real quick before you get into your dropping your nuggets. I be- I agree with you, and uh, you know I was talking to Justin today, and Justin was saying the truth is that it was kind of par for the course what they did, and he he didn't know. Yeah, Justin Labar of WrestleZone, another uh, friend of the show, um, he didn't really know what people were expecting out of this draft, and I guess you know what Justin is right because. You and I just kind of, you know, we, we hope for the best, as it were, and as uh, as fans, we hope that the WWE will just surprise us and give us something different, and they usually don't. So, uh, you know, it is what it is, and, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty much all the thoughts that I have on WWE draft. So, uh, give us your other nugget. Por favor. Um, yeah, not really a nugget. I just want to be, say that how, like, I'll be honest with you, after watching the first two games 
of the you know because we didn't we didn't get to talk until now tonight. After watching the first two games of the series between the Celtics and Knicks, I really thought that the Knicks were actually going to come out and be very competitive in Game Three. But it actually being the, it was like the exact opposite. They actually laid down for the Celtics. Celtics got you know two good two good games in. They played much better at Madison Square Garden, which I found very interesting. And the, the fact that they won Game Three so convincingly, I had a feeling that they you know they they had a good shot winning Game Four because they knew that a week's full of you know rest was on the line. And I know that a team like the Celtics definitely you know don't need. Uh, to play uh, that many games because, you know, they're an older team, a more experienced team. And, DG, I'm just uh, – I'll be honest with you. I, I picked the Celtics in five games because I really thought the Knicks would win game three in Madison Square Garden since it would be the first home game since 2004. And they just didn't deliver. And, you know, obviously I'm happy as a Celtic fan that they swept yeah. and now are just waiting for the Heat because the Heat are going to bring it big time to the Celtics. I still think the Celtics – could win that series, but the fact that the Knicks didn't show up and got swept to me—that's an embarrassment. If I'm a Knicks fan, I agree. But you know what? I mean, I, unfortunately, I did call it and I told you that they weren't going to win a game. I told you that they'd get swept, and I told you that you were full of garbage. You were talking about how the Knicks were going to blow out the Celtics, and they got blown out in Game Three at the Garden. Uh, the Knicks should have won Game One. They lost any momentum that they could have had. Um, you know, then Game Two they did good, but you know what? They just kind of sputtered out. And the truth of the matter is that. Uh, I'm not too disappointed only because the Celtics are so experienced in terms of playoffs, the Knicks are not. And I believe that the Knicks will just get better next year, sir. I honestly believe that uh, they're just going to get better and, you know, do what they what they need to do next year and get some role players around and whatnot. And, you know, what? it's a learning process. It's a rebuilding process. It's a good year for the Knicks fans, even though they got swept. And, you know what? I heard uh, the fans today, and they were talking about you can't lay this at the feet of Mike D'Antoni, and I agree. It's not all his fault considering the overhaul and everybody getting injured and Stoudemire not being 100% and Billups not being 100%. I mean, think about that, Joe. What do you expect? That's like having, uh, you know, Ray Allen injured and, uh, you know, having um, Rajon Rondo injured as well or Rajon Rondo or whatever the heck you call him. Uh, You know, I'm not sure what you guys call him over there in Boston. But, you know, having two of your best players, your most important pieces, injured or out or just, you know, not 100%, you know, what do you expect? So there's not much There's not much that I, I would have expected else from the Knicks other than maybe, you know, winning a game or so. Yeah, and that's I, – I did pick um, I did pick the, the Celtics in five, and I, like I said, I thought they'd be a little bit more competitive in game three, especially since the first two games were so close in Boston. I actually spoke since you were in Tennessee, you know, I couldn't speak about the – the Celtics series, I actually spoke to our close personal friend Evan Roberts on his show on Saturday morning, talked about how um, I really thought the, the Celtics close out the series in five, and if not, you know, sweep them, but, you know, I really thought that in five was the best uh, that the Celtics could do. And then I also asked him about, like, can the Celtics now, you know, you know, make a good run again like they did last year and get to, like, the, at least to the Eastern Conference Finals. And he still believes, believe it or not, DG, that the Celtics could could beat the Heat and they'll be facing the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals. And he still picks the, Lake, uh, the Lakers. He still picks the Celtics to actually represent the East uh, in the NBA Finals this year. Did you drop the phone? Sorry, <laughs> right, sir. Uh... I don't know what happened. The microphone dropped. Uh, it looks like uh, Fitz, our producer, is dropping the ball here. But, you know, I was going to ask you about Evan since you got into it. Um, you know, I, for your sake, I hope that he's right. 
I hope that the the Celtics. You know, I don't have anything against the Celtics. I'm, I'm, I don't hate them the way that so many New Yorkers hate the Boston teams because of the Red Sox. Um, you know, I love the Red Sox actually. But what was it like being on Evan's show, considering he's been on our show so many times? Um, well, you know, believe it or not, I actually called in and uh, I, I was surprised that you know the first time I got through it, it actually rang. You know, usually you get a busy signal when you're calling a station like WFAM, but it rang for about uh, six, seven times. Uh, I, be- I believe Monzo answered the phone. I talked to Monzo for a little bit. He's like, you know, what do we want to talk about here? And I mentioned to him, and then, like, maybe two callers in after the break, you know, me and, uh, me and Evan were just talking just like, you know, when Evan comes on here. I also mentioned I also, my first question to him was, like, you know, this is Joe B. from Pure Gold, but how's the other Joe B. doing? And he's like, I didn't want to ask. So he didn't even want to, he didn't even talk to Joe Beningo at the time. So he's like, I felt bad for him, so I didn't want to talk to him. I was like, so so you're actually talking to me, Joe B., before you talk to the other Joe B. He's like, yep, I'm actually talking to you, Joe B., before I talk to my uh, my tag team partner, Joe Beningo. So, you know, we wow. talked about it for a good five minutes, and, you know, he, he definitely remembered who I was. And, you know, he better. I mean, as a close personal friend, you would think that he does remember us. And yeah, it was of just, course, you know, best had, man at your wedding and everything. Yeah, best man at my wedding and everything. So it was definitely good to have him on, I mean, have me on his show. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was great to have him on your show, to, to have you on was. his show. I'm sure he felt the same way, sir. I'm sure that afterwards he was, uh, did, he, uh, did he start out by saying, hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> Well, I mentioned I, I was j- the other JB that uh, you know he's used to talking to at late night, as opposed to his tag team partner that he talks on the midday. And he's like, "Hey, what's up, guy?" <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. We always rag on we always rag on Evan about that, and the truth of the matter is that it's just hilarious. It's like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" Did he mention that? Uh, did that he, he overheard you talking uh, during the uh, you know? The, the commercials, or when he had you, he had you on hold, and you were talking smack about him. Did he mention anything like that? No, but if he did, that would have been great because uh, you know Evan gets a, a lot more people to listen to his show. But you know, it would have been nice for him <laughs> to think? actually mention the fact. <laughs> it would have been funny for him <laughs> to actually mention the fact that we rip him on our show. But he, you know, he was nice. He was very professional, as your dad would say, or the caller from you know wherever that caller calls. Which we haven't had in a while, Wilden by Park, the way. Sir, Wilden Park, uh, Wilden yeah, Park, yeah. right? Well, he's tried to get through, <laughs> but the phone lines are always so busy; he hasn't been able to. But um, you know, I, I'm glad when you told me, uh, and you called me, as a matter of fact, and I was at a, uh, I was at this thing in, in Tennessee called the Sunrise Celebration, and it was just basically a live reenactment of the the Passion of the Christ. And I know you were asking me about that today, but it was really awesome because I'd never seen anything like it. They had people in the streets. You know, you go, they introduce the whole thing with a nice drama. And then you go throughout the streets of of uh, Jerusalem, remade, you know, with the people dressed up like, you know, they were in those biblical times, and they're selling stuff, and they have the myrrh, and they have the the baked goods, and I mean, you know, just just excellent, an excellent, excellent um, presentation, and it goes throughout different scenes, and you walk around, and you follow the crowd, as it were, and eventually you get back into the building, and that's where the you know the resurrection happens, and everything, and the crucifixion is outside, and you know. Uh, it was just great. I loved it. So you called me. I'm like, I can't talk during this. They even said, you know, the pastor of the church was like, put your cell phones away and uh, just focus on the Lord. And, you know, don't make any phone calls because in, you know, old Jerusalem there were no cell phones. And I looked at my phone and I was like, oh, crap, man. Joe's <laughs> calling me at the, at the worst possible time. And you text me and everything. And, I, and I'm like, you know, try, trying not to pay attention to it. But, you know, when PG calls, it's, uh, you know, every, 
certain things take a back seat, but not uh, not the resurrection of the Lord, as it were. But uh, you know, I really enjoyed that, so I'm glad that you know afterwards I was able to talk to you and find out all about the the Evan Roberts experience. And you know, speaking of WFAN, we're actually hoping to get uh, Lori Rubinson on on the show. Uh, I spoke to Lori today, so we're hoping that uh, you know she'll be able to come on in the near future. And you know, just add to our uh, ever-expanding resume of, uh, of guests and interviews and WFN personality. Pretty soon we're going to have, like, Eric Spitz on the show and everybody in WFN except for Craig Carton and Mike Francesca because they wouldn't be called dead on this show. But aside from that, uh, I have a couple of uh, a couple of nuggets I'd like to get into. And it's amazing, Joe. You know, I'm thinking to myself at 1020, I'm like, man, we finished our interview. We're practically done with the draft in five minutes. What are we going to talk about for the next 40 minutes? And look, here we are. It's almost 11 o'clock, and I'm, I'm not even close to being finished. But, uh, you know, my first nugget actually comes to us from Pyro, who, uh, Pyro Falcon, for those of you uh, newer listeners, he is a is a trusted, valued member of the staff. Uh, you know, he's been on the show many times with this uh, On Fire with Pyro from uh, Online Onslaught. But anyway, um, you know, he broke some news. He actually writes uh, video game reviews and articles, and, well, you know, he, he he writes the game guides for certain games that come out. And, uh, you know, IGN broke this news that uh, the governator, the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger, was going to be returning to the role in the franchise that made him famous. Joe, do you have any idea which franchise I am talking about? Uh, that would be the Terminator. Yes, sir. The governator is coming back. Um, Terminator 2 is one of my all-time favorite movies. Probably my th- either tied for first or number two after Aliens, which is the second in the Alien uh, series. But... Arnold's always been great in that he became famous in the 1984 classic, the original Terminator, and uh, possibly going to be in a reboot, uh, the fifth installment of the franchise. And you know, it's definitely some great stuff. So we're very, I'm very pumped about this and happy to see that he's coming back into the fold. And now that his uh, soiree as the governor of California is, is done, and he left that state in worse shape than they were when he first got in, uh, as most politicians do, it's good to see him back where he he needs to be. And that is, uh, of course, making movies. But, uh, JB, did you, did you happen to, uh, you know, uh, catch Terminator? Have you seen any of those movies, sir? I've seen the entire series, and, yeah, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, the Governor, has definitely, uh, you know, led a destruction, a path of destruction in the, the state of California in real life, so it's, <laughs> it's a good thing that, it's a good thing that he's behind the scenes back in Hollywood where he could cause fake destruction and not, you know, destroy the entire economy of the state of California. Of course, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but, uh, you know, we're big big fans of it. Uh, you know, by the way, what, what's your favorite movie in that series? I would agree with you. I I, I am definitely a big fan of uh, the second movie. The first movie was dark and really cool, but I thought the second movie with the special effects and all that good stuff, I I, I really liked the second movie, I have, you know, the entire series. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because even the, those special effects were so good that even if you watched it now... They're still pretty decent, you know. You watch the older movies and they look horrible, and the special effects are just they're terrible. But those special effects from 1992, if you look at them nowadays, they're they're, they're still pretty decent. So, you know, I've seen that movie too many times to count. But uh, you know, again, thanks to Pyro for breaking that news. And I have a couple of other nuggets here, three nuggets to be exact, uh, wrestling related. Sir, did you happen to catch Tough Enough last night? I did not, sir. Um, my favorite pick in the entire thing. Rima Faki, and I'm sure my wife will be ecstatic to hear this, even though she's uh, she's not in the uh, the vicinity of the studio. Um, the reigning Miss USA, Rima Faki, was taken out of the competition by Stone Cold for the first time in the show. She was actually eliminated 
aside from that whole, um, you know, bottom three thing, Stoko yeah. basically said, you know, there's no need to do it this time. She's been in the bottom three every week, so I'm just going to fire her. Beep. And he got rid of her. Um, you know, she's a lovely girl who has a great personality and I believe can be successful in the WWE. Um, you know, I was listening to another show on Blog Talk Radio, DivaDirt.com, and, you know, trying to connect with other shows here on the on, on our station. Um, and, you know, they, they, they were talking about why, and I agree with them, why is it that the WWE does not go back to having valets as part of, uh, you know, their, their um, you know, everyday programming? Because some of these wrestlers can't speak worth a lick, and they need a woman or they need some type of valet to be a part and I honestly think that she could be a great ballet. She's good a ballet, sorry, not ballet. She's good on the microphone, good personality, and, uh, you know, obviously very, very beautiful. And she has a mental toughness to be in the WWE, which Stone Cold, he uh, complimented her on that. He just didn't feel that she can get the job done physically, that her tiny frame wouldn't be able to hold up to it. Um, but the truth is that, you know, if someone like Trish Stratus can get the job done and you know, has a fitness, former fitness model, then why can't... Um, why can't Rima, you know, again, they need to use these women as valets. And, you know, I'm sorry to see her go, but I definitely will not be surprised to see her back in the WWE in the near future, sir. So basically my two favorites in the entire show are gone within like three weeks so or four weeks. So, you know, there goes that, sir. Um, as, as usual, my picks are wrong. Um, and, you know, something else here. You mentioned uh, my boy CM Punk, but according to some, some things that I've read, and it was confirmed to me by uh, by Justin today, it, there's a possibility that CM Punk will no longer be a part of the WWE in a couple of months. Um, the WWE has offered him a long-term extension, and he has not signed it. And I, I'm, from what I've read, he is—he's um, not too happy. He feels kind of burned down, and he feels like you know he's not getting pushed in the car where he needs to be pushed, and he's not happy with the spot in the company. Has not been for about a year now, and I completely agree. To be quite honest, Joe, I don't even think there's any debating this from a wrestling fan standpoint. Punk is the best. On the active roster today, you know, top to bottom, Mike skills, wrestling skills, everything. He's the best that there is uh, in the WWE. And uh, you know what? He can run wrestle circles around anybody. Losing him would be an enormous loss, especially considering they just lost Edge, who was another amazing, you know, main event guy and one of the best there is. Um, you know, losing him so it's a, that fashion, you know, where he's just completely out of nowhere, bam, he's gone, no longer coming back, and uh, he, he's retired to lose. Punk would be horrible. Of course, TNA would be dumb not to sign him, but if he'd be dumb to sign with them. Um, and we'll get into the stupidity of TNA in a second, but uh, JB, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's good for somebody like CM Punk, I guess, who's already made it in the business and I guess has an income where he can actually decide that, yeah, his character and where he's in the company he doesn't agree with, and he's not just doing it for a paycheck because there are people that are up and coming that need to stay within the company and get, you know, basically misused by the WWE lately. Um, I do agree that CM Punk. I do agree that CM Punk is definitely being misused, and I, I love the fact that he's sticking up for himself. Um, but then again, one isn't the WWE misusing a character or a wrestler. I mean, they do it more often than not, and they do it. They've done it much more recently in the last couple of years with this no competition. You know, they don't consider TNA their competition. So the fact that they don't really give a rat's you-know-what about CM Punk and where he's at just just goes to tell you that they just really don't care. They don't really want to give us what the fans really want. I mean, we've always talked about John Cena going heel. So just the fact that, you know, the, the fact that CM Punk is sticking up for himself and, and not signing a long-term contract 
because he feels his character is being misused. I give him big props for that. Yeah, and the truth is that, you know, he's never really been pushed effectively. His three title reigns have been lackluster at best. The new Nexus was an absolute farce and a joke. I would have quit on the spot if I was him just because of that. But uh, aside from that, you know, he's not going to be pushed like someone someone like Cena or Orton. But you know what? You have guys like The Miz who are, you know, The Miz is good, but he's nowhere near Punk Punk's level. Not on the microphone, and Miz is good on the mic, but in the ring he can't hold a candle to Punk. So, you know, you have guys like that as WWE champ being, the fo- you know, one of the focal points of the show. And what is CM Punk doing? Jobbing to Randy Orton. You have somebody like Alberto Del Rio who is a, a relative newcomer, and he's being pushed to that main event level, or Punk is, you know, in the background somewhere. So that would be a horrible, horrific mistake by the WWE to let him go. And, you know, they need to get their collective heads out of their beep and sign him long-term ASAP. And, of course, they need to push him to the moon and keep him as a main eventer permanently. And, you know, as Pyro points out, um, you know, here behind the scenes, WWE loves to misuse people. I mean, they misuse Gail Kim. They misuse Christian, uh, CM Punk, half of the Divas. I mean, there's just the list goes on and on of talent that has been misused by worldwide entertainment. And, you know, hopefully they won't let the – they won't drop the ball with Punk further than they already have. But – uh Moving on from that, sir, my final note for the evening as far as uh, wrestling goes and my final nugget. I'm not sure if you read about this, heard about this, sir, but Jay Lethal, personal favorite of mine in TNA, was released by TNA uh, last week. Um, I don't know. You know, TNA really, as horrible as they are, you would think that they would at least get this kind of stuff done, sir. Can you explain to me how they let somebody like Jay Lethal go? How do they miss the boat on that, sir? Can you explain that to me, please? Um, it just goes to show you that TNA is just like the old WCW when they have big names, big name guys that are over the hill, washed up like Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair taking too much TV time, and just, you know, in the limelight, still don't know when to hang it up, and they just don't know about their talent. Like, you know, they're, the the one good thing I have to say is that they are pushing um, AJ Styles, but, you know, Jay Lethal could be in this hot feud with AJ Styles if they really want to do it and did it right. But the fact that TNA just released Jay Lethal, I mean, that's not his real name, that's his you know, his wrestling name. But the fact that that happened, I immediately once I heard that from you, um, I contacted Kevin Knight of the IWF and said, you know, do whatever you can to get the WWE to sign this guy because he's a talent that is, you know, could really bring some great value to your company. And it's just a shame that the TNA just, you know, didn't see it and just released him. I, I feel... I feel really bad for the guy, especially since he's from, you know, New Jersey, right, you know, out here in Union City and Elizabeth, you know, right, what, Elizabeth, yeah, New Jersey? Yeah, Elizabeth. He's from Elizabeth. Elizabeth. So, yeah, so, you know, he's a home homegrown favorite of ours, and, you know, you actually saw him wrestle when he was uh, in a local promotion, right, sir? Yes, I did, in Union City, which is where you got the, the confusion. I saw Jay wrestle, and it was just amazing, and... He was friends with a, a friend of mine who was actually a wrestler at the time, a female wrestler. And, uh, you know, Jay really just with his impersonations of Ric Flair and spot on, as as it were. And, of course, uh, Randy Savage, you know, guys like that are not a dime a dozen. And the truth is that it's a double-edged sword because I would love him to sign with the WWE so that they can misuse him like they misuse everybody else. And, of course, they probably would ruin him. But TNA is absolutely stupid for letting him go. And you know what? They need to they need to get their heads out of their beep and they need to get rid of Hogan and the rest of his cronies and you know what just start all over again and bring in good talent and bring in guys who can actually go. But 
You know what, sir? I, uh, we actually contacted Jay to see if we can get him on the show. And, and this is before he got released, mind you. But, um, you know what, well, we're in touch with him, and hopefully, you know, he said that he needs to take some time off and he won't be doing interviews, but hopefully in the near future he will be doing some uh, an interview and he'll he'll keep, you know, we'll keep in touch with him to see if we can get him on pure gold and hopefully he'll keep us in mind. But, uh, sir, let's uh, let's close out this show at least with a little bit of a, uh, of Mets talk, uh, give me your thoughts on this team, sir, because they, they were dead and buried the last time we we came on the air, and ever since then, ever since we ripped them, they've done nothing but win five in a row, probably the Mets' longest winning streak in 25 years. Uh, give us some thoughts on the New York Metropolitans, sir. Well, the first and foremost is is that the fact that Jason Bay is now back on the team, I think that has definitely helped people like you know. David Wright and Ike Davis because having extra bat in the lineup definitely improves your offense. I, uh, I think the pitching has been okay, but I think the Mets have been winning with their offense. And it's good to see, you know, this season's such a long season. If this team was just going to drop off the face of the earth so early, so soon, I think it would have been a, just a long season for the entire Mets organization. So the fact that they've won 500 DG, that's a good sign. Ending out the month of April, hopefully getting to 500. And then taking it from there, I mean, you could. That's all you really could ask for as a Mets fan is that this team is competitive. You know, before they won their five games, they they didn't even look like a major league baseball team. They looked like a a pee wee league baseball team that was causing you know just not catching the ball, not playing the fundamentals, and just you know now at least they got Jason Bay back. The team looks pretty good offensively. You know, their pitching staff is still a question mark, uh, but Mike Pelfrey did have a bounce-back performance his last start. So we'll just see where they go from here. The month of May is right around the corner. And, again, if they could finish at 500 after starting so abysmally, it would be a good thing for Mets fans. I agree with that, considering the fact that they were basically the worst team in baseball the last time we had a show, and now here they are, you know, five wins later, uh, moving up towards the middle of the pack. That's a that's a huge difference. Um you know, definitely happy that the Mets are are doing good. And, you know, as Pyro points out, hopefully you're, you're not jinxing them and they're not going to lose like 15 in a row. But the truth is that they were just so abysmal. And like you said, to get to get um, Jason Bay back was just huge. There's just no there's no way around it, you know. They needed him back. Having him back is is, is a good thing. And he's actually come hitting. And you like Davis hitting home runs and David Wright hitting home runs and powering balls out of the park. And, you know, I'm happy because at least it gives us something to talk about, some fodder where they're not completely, you know, atrocious, as it were. And, you know, it's good to see the Mets doing what they uh, what they got to do. They're now 10-13, and 13, only three games under 500. So, it's you know, uh, last time we, we – <laughs> Last time we came on the year, they were eight games under, which was a disgrace and the worst team in baseball. But now they have a few teams worse than them, so they're they're moving in the right direction, sir. Yep. And uh, just one last thing on baseball, I guess, is that you know the other New York team unfortunately might have one less starting pitcher. Uh, Mr. Phil Hughes was going under, going some tests Wait, today. Wait, Al Hughes? Uh, Phil Hughes. Is he related to Al Hughes? Uh, he's his cousin. Cousin's roommate's second wife, I think. But oh, anyway. okay. <laughs> yeah. Second he's, wife, he's, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's going for some more tests, so uh, they might have lost a starting pitcher for the for the entire season. We'll find out tomorrow. So you wonder if Mr. Brian Cashman is contacting a certain Andy Pettit to please come back and finish the year as a Yankee because we need you so bad. We are the New York Yankees. We rule. 
We want you, Andy Pettit. We'll give you anything you want. <laughs> well, I wasn't a big fan of Andy Pettit, so I can't begrudge them if they were reaching out to him, which would be a good idea. But you know what, Joe? Um, with with he was having the dead arm period that he's going through. Um, you know, and Jabba Chamberlain, I'm not even sure to be honest with you how Jabba's been doing, but, you know, you look at somebody like him who was such a stud coming out of the pen and who seemed like he was really on the right track, and, you know, and they, they jerked around with him. They moved him to the, uh, the starting rotation, and he, you know, he floundered there, and now he doesn't seem to be catching his footing in the uh, the bullpen. It's just amazing how, you know, in this day and age where we have everything is so advanced and so amazing and so wonderful with scouts and everything, how they can – you know, consistently, and even the Yankees, who are a great organization, consistently get things wrong and keep messing up with these players. Joe, I, I just don't understand how you go from, you know, having these guys as uh, some of the best young talent to now, you know, Hughes. Who knows? He may be out, like you said, for a good long while, and uh, he's not recovering. And then, of course, Java Chamberlain, who is not nearly the pitcher that he used to be, sir. Yep. You look at the big market teams, and you, most of the time. They don't know how to manage the young talent. I mean, the teams that I always think about when, when I think of managing young talent, I think of the Oakland A's, I think of the Minnesota Twins, and I think of like the Atlanta Braves. Those are teams that most of the time have homegrown talent, have great farm systems, and grow their talent. Teams like the Mets, Yankees, Red Sox, I just think that you know they just don't know how to use their farm system as much. Well, yeah, well, the Yanks are trading them off to get all these big-name guys, but... In the case of someone like Jabba, you know, who I mean, now he's got a five ERA so far at the beginning of the year, and you know he's given up, uh, you know, a few runs and whatnot. His WHIP is not too great, and average against him in the low 200s. I mean, he was dominant, and they were talking about him replacing uh, Mariano as the closer of the future. Now look, I mean, they have Soriano, and you know what, Jabba is like number three or four in the death charts there. It just amazed yeah. me how he was so good, and then he just ended up being a big old, you know what? Yeah. It, it, the whole thing didn't make sense to me. It brought a, a tear to my you-know-what, but you know, it was great to see them try to make Jabba a starter where he could have definitely been this dominant closer. Then they went to this whole routine about the Jabba rules, and and then it just you know went downhill from there. So it couldn't bring you know tears of joy for me as a Met fan to see the Yankees mess up a great talent or a potential great talent like Jabba. <laughs> yeah, definitely, sir. And it, it just amazes me that... Uh... That the Yankees, you know, did this and they they messed this up and you know what? Well, I guess it is what it is and we'll, you know, we'll do what it do, sir. But um, you know, any other uh, any other final thoughts before we close out another uh, amazing show? No, sir. I mean, looking forward to Thursday where we could talk some more sports, but also talk about the bittersweet as we you know reach the end of a an era, you know, a ten year run of Smallville. So it'd be great to talk about that show, even though. I'll be honest with you, the episode wasn't that good, but the fact that we're coming to, towards May 13th, the series finale, it should be exciting, and we'll definitely have Mr. Hans on to explain that. I agree with you, sir, and, you know, I have to make sure to watch that before the, you know, there's quite a few shows I need to catch up on before uh, Thursday night, so hopefully I'll be able to do that, but uh, J, B, Joby, JB, it's been a great show, as always. Let's, uh, let's uh, send it out with our ads, of course. Folks, Easy Pizza is a new pizza concept, handmade 9-inch. You know, in about 30 minutes, it went from 8 inches to 9 inches. Uh, Focaccia-style personal pizza, homemade. Choose from three amazing crusts, uh, including whole wheat. Choose from four types of cheeses and finish it off with a fresh selection of over 70 wonderful toppings. There's no need to call ahead. Easy Pizzas are made fresh before your eyes. They're ready to enjoy in only three easy minutes. 
They're located at 184 Essex Street in Essex Square next to the National Liquidators in Lauderdale, New Jersey. Thanks to Easy Pizza, fresh, just got easy. Make sure to mention Pure Gold when you come in, JB. And, folks, if you're looking to promote your business, school, church, or team, please contact Design Stitch for all your embroidery and screen printing needs. Mention Pure Gold for 50% off of all setup charges. We are located at 194 Atlantic Street in Hackensack, New Jersey. Contact us at 201-488-1314 or visit us at our website at design-n-stitch.com. DG, close us out. Folks, we'd like to thank you for uh, for joining us this evening. I'd like to give a special thanks to uh, Christy Marie of LP Records for joining us. We thank her for taking some time out. You can check her out and check out all the great artists from that label, lprecordsonline.com. I'd like to thank Fitz, our producer. I'd like to thank uh, you know Jose, our media director. I'd like to thank Kelly, our board op. Folks, and we thank you, the listening audience. And, again, thanks to Pyro for the, uh, helping us out with some, some nuggets and some notes for this evening. That's why we get the interns, and that's how we pay them what they do, or what we do pay them, which is nothing. But they're helpful nonetheless. So, again, thanks to our buddy Pyro. Um, folks, make sure to check us out on Thursday evening. We're not on Wednesday, folks. That's right. It feels kind of odd to say that after a couple of weeks of a back-to-back and a belly-to-belly, but we'll be back in the saddle Thursday evening at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it P. A G. Good night, everyone.